you have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab you a little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. Keep smiling, know that you can always count on me. That's what friends are for. So, that came on at my company picnic today. (laughs) And I was like, oh God, I love Dionne Warwick, but I hate this song. And then I started singing along. Because, you know, it's Dionne Warwick, Stevie Wonder, Gladys Knight, you know? So I was like, you know. <laughs> and then somebody said, look at you. I thought you hated this song. And I, I was, it was too late. And then they said, this song's going to be stuck in your head later. And so it's later. And the song is stuck in my head. <laughs> good afternoon. Good morning. Good night. Whatever time you're listening to this, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for coming back every single time. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the last two episodes. Um, you know, I, I guess me publicly uh, reckoning with uh, very interesting thoughts. I, th- I think I'll do a little bit more of that tonight. Um and uh, it is nighttime. I usually record this in the daytime, but uh, my Adderall is working and I wasn't doing anything. And um, I came across something that made me go, ah, want to record that. Come on, somebody. We thank God on today for allowing us to gather one more time. Listen, this may be my last time. I don't know. Come on, somebody. Tap, tap your neighbor. Say it may be my last time. I don't know. Truly, I... Uh, Thank God for allowing me to be here on today. I thank him for the breath in my body, the clothes on my back, food and drink, and allowing me to be clothed in my right mind. Ah, you ought to have been there, huh? Truly, I thank him. Uh, <laughs> I get carried away, and I will do that for hours. You know why? Because I'm autistic, and all I do is emulate people. <laughs> And always have, child. I watch the people and just just emulate the folks, child, because they're so interesting. So, so interesting. Um, but welcome. Welcome. We welcome you once. We welcome you twice. We welcome you three times in the name of Jesus Christ. My name is the Right Reverend Richie X., and this is Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, no, you probably, no, you will have a problem with this shit. Um, we're here. We're here. And we're going to get started today when I talked about a little bit about the reckoning. You know, I think it's an ongoing journey, particularly within my 
understanding of self. You know, one of the things that we went into that I went into my uh, current therapy journey with, you know, this whole diagnose, uh, diagnostic process and all of that. Um, it was um, about no, it, it it was it was about re, you know, learning what it was that was going on, what it was that's always been going on, um, you know, getting the diagnostics right getting the diagnosis right and then it was about after knowing it was about uh everything must be rethought you know i am somebody who uh has you know self-help material has played a large role in my life um a lot of iyana van zandt brene brown uh, marion williamson and so forth and so on and not even just that, that's not even including the Christian self-help, the Joyce Meyer, uh, the T.D. Jakes, the Juanita Bynum, you know, all of that and trying to apply all of these things and, and the all of these literal interpretations of scripture for me and the shame that was, that was, that was really uh, placed on me by these things and by the fact that I could not become... Uh, naturally these th these versions of what I was being told I needed to become in order to be, you know, a mighty person of God or whatever the case may be. And so in this journey, it's been about everything must be rethought, right? And so it's like, whoa, peeling off these layers of like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not... Um, I don't deserve shame. I don't deserve to feel dark and, and negative and evil. And, you know, I am now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rethinking these things and not Brene so much because Brene deals with shame and in, in, in these very psychological ways. So we won't really count Brene, but some of these other self-help materials um, can be helpful but my suggestion is do your own research, see someone if you can, try to get an assessment done by a mental health professional if you can, try your hardest. Some mental health professionals will do the sliding scale uh, for you if you can't afford it. There's so many ways to get um, help, right, and, so, and to get treatment. And so... Um, it's important that that you take the medical psychological way um, rather than being like me and having a um, special interest of 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 self help. You know that was like a special interest of mine for so long. Um, you know the, the constant uh, you know making myself the project the constant picking, shaping, moving, you know, really just really uh, in a way you think of it as like painting a mask, preparing a mask that would be seen by all um, and making the mask as real as possible because I did not know it was a mask.
never knew it was a mask. Um, and so it's, it's, it's something that's, that's, that's really interesting. And so another thing that always comes up in my uh, journey of self-awareness and self-understanding is um, in these new discoveries, and I've talked about this a little bit before, am I going to end up back in a religious space? You know, in these, in these, in these discoveries, am I going to, you know, am I going to end up, you know, in some kind of affirming place, being actually an actual part of a community, um, one day at some point in my life. And I don't know, I don't know. Um, but you know, as I talked about, uh, last, uh, week, um, hearing, you know, the stories of faith of, uh, you know, Anna and uh, other people who have maintained their faith and who hold their faith close to them. They never lost their faith. They found faith. They found their faith. Their faith grew stronger in the acknowledgement of who they were. Um, and, you know, some people could probably say, well, your faith was never in God. You know, your faith was never in God. Your faith was in that mask. Your faith was in the flesh. It was in whatever. You know, it was never in God. And and I would have to to uh, say that two things can be true. And that my faith was in God for all that I knew. And that I did everything I knew to do. And I did everything they told me to do. Knowingly that I know more of that Bible than you do that I, I, I literally, uh, tried extremely hard to live my life line upon line and precept upon precept. Cause narrow is the way come on somebody for the way to destruction is wide. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. But narrow is the way holiness or hell. Come on somebody. You ought to, you ought to get in line. And walk the straight path, amen. And so, um, you know, and and that is, you know, and some some people could say, well, that, that's you know, that's legalism. That's under the law. That's not under grace. You know, you you were you were trying to live up to the law. You you weren't you weren't in grace. You weren't walking in grace. You weren't. You didn't have freedom. You didn't have liberty. You were bound. You were bound to the perception that you uh, of of God and holiness that you thought you needed to be. You were lost, and then that too probably could be true. I don't know. The beauty of my life now is that I don't pretend to know. The thing about you know my former life is that I had to know. I had to have all the answers, and if I didn't have them, I had to seek them. Because the type of uh, the sect of Christianity that I was in was this hardcore, you know, sect. Um, it was this hardcore space that didn't really allow for a lot of a leg room. Um, and so, you know, 
I, I think about sometimes the more that I discover, discover about this disability, um, will I revisit the God thing? But or is 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 that just my OCD, right? Of kind of running the things back into my brain over and over and over and over again, right? Ruminating on the idea that this kind of feels like it doesn't have a cap on it. It feels open-ended. Um, and one of the things that I'm learning and working through in therapy now is that open-ended is okay. That it's okay to not have the answers. It's okay to not um, pretend that you know everything to pretend that. Um, and it's okay to not exist in extremes. Because that's where my mind wants to be. That's, you know, that's a trait. That's where my mind wants to be, existing in extreme extremes. You're either all the way hot or you're all the way cold. You know, because if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Come on, somebody. You ought to know the word. Um, but, you know, and so, you know, here I am. You know, and I think, one, I think there's something... Um, really beautiful about affirming safe spaces in Christianity. And what I do sense happening for me is the veil, if you will, of strict, staunch ideas has fallen away, or is falling away, and not just in the practical part of my brain. Because remember, for so long, I had to separate my logic from my faith. They had to be two different worlds. And they, you know, I held everything that I knew everything that could be proven, everything that I loved, all the science, all the facts, you know, ignoring all the contradictions over here in my, you know, brainiac brain side. And then I held my religion, my faith, the tongues, the worship, all of that in a different space, um, preserving them both for when needed, but never mixing the two. So it was very possible for my faith to be bigoted and hateful and, 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 and for me to exist in that space fully, but also, you know, being over here, you know, in, in, in this very logical space. And so one of the things that I am, what I noticed happening is that I am, able to scale back um i'm able to scale back pull back um from all of that you know there's so much so many strings attached to my faith and the salvation, the type of religion that I was a part of. It was so many strings attached. And what I'm what I'm finding now is that there's so much I just 
don't believe. I'm proud in my non-belief of those things. I don't need to believe them. Um, and one of the things that I think is more beautiful is, um, I still find brotherhood, um, and sisterhood even in, 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 in alignment and connection with people who, uh, you know, who never lost their faith, but found a more affirming angle through which to you know, lens through which to look at their faith, right? To look through, um, essentially. And so I, I, I think that's really cool. Um, I still feel that camaraderie, you know, this is my, you know, there's so much of this in me. Um, and I think there's a beauty to it, but I also am incredibly weary. There's a beauty to an affirming safe space, loving, safe space, filled with logical, kind, um, you know, first commandment style Christians. It's a great space, great space to be in, but I'm incredibly weary of those spaces, spaces as I've mentioned, as I've mentioned in the last two episodes. I'm very weary of spaces that say they are affirming. Spaces that say they are affirming, but are led by heterosexual people. Um, because, you know, like I said before, I've, 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 I've gone to these churches that seem hip and cool, but they have not deconstructed. And they are leading people, but they haven't deconstructed. And, you know, that's what this journey is about. That's what the journey we're on in Surviving Fundamentalism is a journey towards deconstruction. And wherever that leads you, it's, it's cool with me. I don't need you. You know, I, I make churchy jokes, but I don't need you to be churchy. <laughs> I don't need you all to to uh, to even like any of that stuff. You don't have to laugh. You can tap that little circle and, and, and go up five seconds if it bothers you, you know, like, cause, cause I get it. Sometimes that stuff is triggering. You know, I'm in a space now where I can make fun of it and enjoy it and, and have a good time with it a little bit that I do here on this show. Um, but you know, it's, 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 it, sometimes it's triggering. There's times that I feel very, very close to agnosticism. There is a, you know what? I just thought about this. There's a, there, there was a loyalty, a deep, dark, wretched <laughs> loyalty. You know, that I'll say this much. Due to my disability, there's an extreme. There's an extreme that I never want to see again. And yeah, like I said, I'm working through that in therapy. I know that balance is good. That I don't need extremes. But I'm also somebody that lives in this world with a disability. That causes me to desire extremes. And it is very, very easy for me to end up in some kind of like cool space where I'm just like, I'm just going to join this community, this faith community. It's going to be cool. And the next thing you know, I'm 
you know, plunging through the the Bible. I'm purchasing new Bibles. I'm going to Bible study. I'm, you know, back into, and, and then now I'm, you know, again, because I have a disability that also makes me um, view things literally. There are things that I know in my conscious cognitive brain, and then there is my disability that blocks that out when it's in full speed. And and next thing you know, I'm somewhere sad or hating myself or, you know, and yeah, you would think it's it's easier, but I don't I don't ever want to go back to that space. I don't ever want to be in that space. And even affirming places are 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 dangerous for me because it could be affirming and it could be sweet and it could be kind, but me sometimes just going to church and maybe opening a Bible and let's say it just ends up on a page with a damning scripture. It That could make me incredibly uncomfortable sad and scared and afraid until I remember I am an adult in my body who is partaking in the process of deconstruction. And this in its uninterpreted out of context mode is not real to me. And that's how I keep my sanity. And so for me, you know, I think I like the idea of community. I like the idea of singing. I love the idea of conjure. I love the idea of, of well, I mean, say conjure, y'all, sorry. I like the idea of praise and excitement and energy and music and, you know, all of that. I love the feeling of a very quiet, you know, spirit my trust is with our borders let me walk along the waters you know i love that you know i love that you know he is jealous for me loves like a hurricane i am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy you know when all of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I read, ah, I'm terrible with words, I told you that before, I got stuck, because two, two verses came to my mind at the same time, and I was like, ah, help, uh, but yeah, that was, um, and oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us, how he loves us so. You know, that, that that's a moment. That's a moment. That's a moment. Do you all remember where you were when you heard that song? I remember where I was. I was in my dorm. I was in my dorm in uh, Madison Hall at William Patterson University. Shout out to my... um alma mater and you know i was there and i remember i was in middleton hall fourth floor and a friend of mine told me to listen to that song and he played the 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 uh, jesus culture version um with kim i forget her name now um her new name 
And um, I remember it just being such a moment of just like, wow, wow. Such a moment. Uh, but yeah, y'all know those things, those moments for me are still very real. I was listening to um, Shekinah Glory Ministries. Um, How deeply I need you, my Lord. Oh, how deeply I need you. That And I was just like, oh, I was remembering all these moments. You know, one of the most beautiful things about those types of worship for me was the silence. And probably because I was often overstimulated in church. <laughs> and it was always so loud. So I really enjoyed uh, quiet moments. And I never realized that I would walk away and go to the back of the church or to the side and create like a personal bubble and go over there and kind of like pray and be in, in my own world. And in retrospect, I realized it was probably because I was overstimulated and I didn't like being touched. And, you know, people always wanted to touch me and lay hands. And, you know, in, in, in Pentecostal churches, we are very, very handsy. Very, very handsy. And they do not ask for consent when they are laying hands on you. They just do it. And, um, you know, it was a rough time. A very interesting time. But yeah, so you know, I think these those moments, that history, that truth, those the truth of those silent, emotionally deep worship moments will always be. And nothing will take that from me. Nothing will take that that history from me. Nothing will take the feeling of that music to me from me. I still sing it, you know? And I still post the videos of me singing it. Because I'm I'm not ashamed of that part of my life. And that music is still something that really gets me through. You know, really can encourage me or uplift me or, you know, move me into better spirits. You know, so if I'm sitting there and I'm just in a mood... And I just go, as soon as I stop worrying, worrying how the story ends, I let go and I let God, let God have his way. You know, let go, let God. That's a moment for me. That creates a moment of like, whatever it is, I know that I need to release. And you call it what you want, I call it what I need. Um, but I know that I need to release. I know that, um, I'm hanging on to something that I can't control, you know, or sometimes it might be Shekinah Glories. Will your heart and soul say yes? Will your spirit say yes? Yes. If I told you what I really need. You know, sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's, it's, it's whatever it needs to be, it can be. But sometimes I don't want to hear none of that. <laughs> sometimes that ain't my vibe. Sometimes my vibe is Stevie Wonder. You know, songs in the key of life. 
You know, sometimes it's, you know, isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? You know, that sometimes it's, it's Stevie Wonder, Songs of the Key of Life. Sometimes it's Michael Jackson's Thriller album. You know, sometimes it's off the wall. Sometimes, you know, whatever it is. And those experiences too, right, when we deconstruct, can be spiritual experience for us. Especially those of us who love music and, and really are into music. Some of us can can have these same similar peaceful spiritual experiences. And, and, and sometimes it, it might just be, you love me. Especially different. You know, the Jill Scott, you know, sometimes it's that for us. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. So, um, we're going to go to break real quick. And then I'm going to come back with our deconstruction clip of the week. And we'll have a little conversation and then I'm going to let you go. Come on, somebody. I won't be before you alone. Come on, somebody. As someone who grew up believing in hell as eternal damnation, these times are really interesting. Like, I know if I still held those beliefs, I would be terrified because I would feel like these are the end times. But I would also have a place to escape to. If this were a different time in my life, I would be reading the Bible a lot and going to church and trying to be as close to God as possible. That would be the focus of my work. And while it would still suck, I would have faith I was going to be all right in the end and that there was some sort of divine plan to all of this. But now that I believe hell is other people, I'm experiencing these times very differently. Like, this hell created by white supremacy and colonialism is real and it's right here and I'm in it. And it feels like I have no place to escape to but the work of standing against it and that is its own kind of scary I make this to say that if you're scared for whatever reason I completely understand and you're not alone I find pockets of joy and peace in the heaven that other people can be and are and in the commitment that I'm witnessing other people have towards love and justice and in being a part of that work myself we need each other just breathe deep Be uncomfortably patient with yourself. Offer yourself an uncomfortable amount of grace as you navigate the unimaginable. And let love be your North Star as we all press towards liberation. I used to think that knowledge was power. That's not necessarily true. Because you can learn the wrong thing. It's dangerous to learn the wrong thing well. Some people are experts in error. So knowledge doesn't mean you're smart. Because what you may have learned may not be true. And the most dangerous thing for a person to have is knowledge that is erroneous that they believe is true. Everybody clap your hands. Everybody clap your hands. This is the way we praise it. You know, I love a good gospel tenor bark, honey. You already know. Um, truly, I'm glad to be before you once more. Ay, ay, ay. And um, I'm going to start with the deconstruction clip of the week. comes from my boy from Holy Cigars. Uh, and that's Christian Smith is his name. You can look him up on, on the TikTok, on the YouTube, and on the Instagram. Come on, somebody. I'm going to go ahead and let this play, and then we'll get into a conversation after these messages. <laughs> so, Christians idolize the Bible so much that when I critique the Bible, y'all think I'm critiquing God. And you'll never understand where I'm coming from if you don't untether God in the Bible. 
That's the problem with having a faith that's rooted in the supremacy of the Bible. Because then any flaw that somebody finds in the Bible invalidates your faith. And your identity is tied up in your faith. So when I critique the Bible, you think I'm critiquing God. And that invalidates your faith, which ultimately invalidates your identity. Which is why y'all think I'm the Antichrist. So no, I'm not going to debate you about theology when your foundational belief is that the Bible is perfect. And that's the problem with demanding Bible loyalty without Bible literacy. My my homie be he be spitting it. That's my dude. He really be spitting it like straight fire. Um, you know, I always call him my cousin. Y'all know that. Um, I don't know if he knows I call him cousin. I think he does because I says I say it in the comments all the time. Um, shout out Christian if you're still listening. I know you said you're gonna listen. I don't know if you're still listening, but if you're still listening, shout out Christian. Hey, um, uh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> That was good. You you all know, this is this is my literal statement here. You know because this is what surviving fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely probably will have a problem with this shit. You know, so that's the foundation by which I you know started this podcast. I heard that statement some years ago. I've never let it go. I have never let it go. Because when I started reading John Shelby Spong's um, uh, Biblical Literacy, A Gentile Heresy, and started reading some other stuff and really began my deconstruction journey, I knew then any element of faith I was going to have was going to have to stretch beyond um, the literalism or the literalization of the Bible. Um, that had to be dead to me. Um, like I said, when you've been taught, y'all know for me even, you know, I've talked about, you know, sitting in church and just opening the Bible and turning up on a damning scripture and just in it, like making my heart skip a beat and like me being terrified and just because of, you know, my disability. But, but, you know, also we were taught to read the Bible like that. Open it up. Wherever you read it is what God's saying to you, you know, and, and that was, you know, something that I came to believe, something that I came to know as a pattern. It became a pattern for me. And it was like when I was in college and I, and I you know, backslid and started questioning my faith, every time I would open the Bible again, it would fall on negative damning scriptures after I like came home on break. But it's funny because before that, it almost never did. Or if it did, I just ignored it, I guess. But I don't know. But yeah, you know, so like, I just think it's very, very interesting to, you know, everything he said about um, Bible supremacy. I never thought about it like that, like putting it that way. You know, that Christians have this idea. But I, I, I definitely knew that because, you know, a lot of doctrines, you know, a lot of doctrinal statements. I read churches' doctrinal statements all the time because back in the day, I used to want to know uh, how they baptize, you know, what they believe and all of that. And the first thing is often when you go to these organization church websites, these denominations, they the first thing it says that the Bible is... Um, inspired by God um, and is inerrant 
meaning there are no errors in it, none whatsoever. And it is basically the supreme of what's about to happen. And then they go on and tell you everything they believe because of the Bible. And I find it very, very interesting because when I started reading the Bible, when I was in college and I had that professor that told me that the assignment was to read the Bible as a literal book and discuss what you see from jump. The first book, I was like, this don't make no sense. Reading it as like a non-religious text and just thinking about it as like Shakespeare or something. And the way that we broke down literature when I was an English major. um, Wild. I was like, what is this? First of all, why are there two creation stories? Second of all, who did this if this happened and if that happened and then what, why is that, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to figure out why it's mixed up, why this is ain't that and this, and we're having this conversation in class and I'm like, wow, you know, this is the thing that everybody says is inerrant, you know, like there's no errors in this book and there are plenty of errors and plenty of contradictions in this book and therefore it cannot be supreme. It cannot be. It cannot be inerrant. It cannot be. Period. How? How? I got another video for you. It's not like the deconstruction clip, but same dude. Different clip. Hold your horses. Every time we read the words of Jesus, we're reading an English translation of a Greek text about a man who spoke Aramaic and quoted his Hebrew scriptures. But we don't think anything got lost in translation. Not nothing. Four different languages at work at all times, at least. And did nothing get lost in translation? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Nothing? And, and, and that's not even to mention the things that I've talked to you all about before. The fact that these are not eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts. These are things written years, centuries later, some of that shit. You know what I mean? Come on. So it's like we have to, to, to acknowledge these things, but so many of us cannot. Because it has to be true. It has to be. All of it. Everything they told you has to be true. Because if it isn't, what then? Who then are you? Who then is your God? Is it really real or do you just believe it? What then is your faith? And, and, and many of our faiths can withstand that level of questioning. Many of us are not prepared for the journey of, of questions and waiting and crying and mourning, mourning, deep, deep weeping and mourning at the loss 
of our biblical literalist faith. The thing is, is that it can be reborn. And, and, and the freedom on the other side of that mixed with a little therapy, man, you could, you could have a decent, peaceful, freedom life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life, huh? And have it more abundantly. You know, a, a free life, you ought to get to it. You know, and that's that have a little that little paint your heaven on earth. Come on, somebody. What's that song? Um, they used to sing, child. Heaven, heaven on earth. There is lightning and thunder, miracles and wonders, sounds of many waters, heaven on earth. <laughs> we used to sing that in Pentecostal. Oh, heaven, heaven on earth. You know, get free. Huh? You have some heaven on earth. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and of peace and of a sound mind. Come on, somebody. You, you ought to get sound somewhere. <laughs> Come out of literalism. See Paul for the fool he is. Huh? You ought to walk it like you talk it. <laughs> you ought to get delivered from biblical literalism because it's heresy. It's heresy. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. I know I'm in the house like roaches. I know I walked down your aisle right there. Come on, somebody. But this <laughs> this episode, I wanted to talk about biblical contradictions. You know, it's a central dogma of uh, all fundamentalist Christians that the Bible is without error. They teach that conclusion by reasoning. Quotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God cannot be the author of false meaning, and he cannot lie. Is this true? If written by a perfect being, then it must not contradict itself. As a collection of books written by different men at different times over many centuries would be expected to contradict each other. With this in mind, let us take a look. The Sabbath day. Exodus 20 and 8 says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But Romans 14 and 5 says, one man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully pers persuaded in his own mind. Interesting. The permanence of earth. The earth abideth forever. Ecclesiastes 1 and 4 says. But 2 Peter 3 and 10 says, The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Child, you know I know they got all kind of doctrines and, and belief systems to coincide with that. Because <laughs> they, they, they one thing they're going to do is make it work. Okay? That's one thing the folks are going to do. They're going to make it work. They gonna make it be what is what is what it need to be by any means necessary. Come on, somebody, seeing God. You know Genesis thirty two and thirty says, "I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved." But John one and eight says, "No man has seen God at any time." Which one is it? 
human sacrifice. Leviticus 18, 21 says, Thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire of Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. In Judges, though, the tale of Jephthah, who led the Israelites against the Ammonites, is being told, being fearful of defeat, this good religious man sought to guarantee victory by getting God firmly on his side. So he prayed to God, if thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of that my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Judges 11, 30-31 The terms were acceptable to God. Remember, he is supposed to be omniscient and know the future. So he gave victory to, to Jephthah and the first whatsoever that greeted him upon his glorious return was his daughter. And as God surely knew would happen, if God is God, true to his vow, the general made a human sacrifice of his only child to God. That's Judges 11, 29, and 34. Mm, human sacrifice, huh? The terms were Matthew 19 and 26. With God, all things are possible. Judges 1, 19. The Lord was with Judah, and he drave out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. Could not. With God, all things are possible. Personal injury. Thou shalt, you know, Exodus 21, 23, 25. Thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Matthew 5, 39. You resist not evil, but whatsoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Mm. I remember when I was young and we was in uh, Sunday school and they was telling us, you know, was going over to those two contradictions, how, you know, it used to be an eye for an eye, but now it's, you know, turn the other cheek. You know how they explain that one away is the, the, uh, the law versus grace. And that's a good, I mean, that, that takes care of most of the, the contradictions for many, you know, un circumcision, you know, of course you all know if you read the new Testament, um, you know, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Paul said in Galatians five and two, if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. But Genesis 17 and 10 says, this is my covenant, which he shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child should be circumcised. Is God not the same yesterday, today and forever? Incest. Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, the daughter of his father, and the daughter of their, this mother. Deuteronomy 27, 22. Leviticus 20, 17. If a man shall take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, it is a wicked thing. Genesis 20, 11 through 12. But what was God's reaction to Abraham who married his sister, his father's daughter? And God said unto Abraham, as for Sarah, thy wife, I bless her. And give thee a son also of her. Yeah. 
And I remember learning about this in Sunday school too. Learning um, that Sarah was uh, Abraham's sister. And I was like, what? And it was kind of just like brushed over. Like, oh, that was the way they did things back then. But no contradictions. Trust in God. Ah, a good man obtained his favor with the Lord. Proverbs 12 and 2. But Job 2 and 3. Now consider the case of Job. After commissioning Satan to ruin Job financially and to slaughter his shepherds and children to win a petty bet with Satan, God asked Satan, Has thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth? A perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, still he owed his fast his integrity, although thou movest against him to destroy him without cause. A good man obtaineth favor with the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. The holy, the holy lifestyle. Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart. Ecclesiastes nine and seven. They that rejoice as though they rejoice is not. First Corinthians seven thirty. Punishing crime. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Ezekiel eighteen twenty. But Exodus 20 and 5 says, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children into the third and fourth generation. Which is it? And both of them in the Old Testament, so ain't no law versus grace with that one. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. James 1 and 13. But Genesis 20, 20 Genesis 22 and 1 says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Ay, ay, ay. Honor the Lord thy, honor thy father and thy mother. I'm reading too fast. Exodus 20 and 12. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Luke 14 and 26. Hmm. Which one is it? He that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. Job 7 and 9. That's a good one. He that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. But John 5, 28 and 29 says the hour is coming in which all they that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Which is it? You know, they say that Jesus was a part of a sect that started to believe in the resurrections of the dead. And that's how we get, you know, the, the uh, more modern doctrine of uh, all of these things. You know, the resurrections of the dead, the rapture, you know, all of that stuff. Coming on a cloud, all of that. Very, very interesting. Because, it, you know, they had to sync it together. They're they going to sync it together. They're going to make it stick. Okay? They're going to make it stick if they got to make up a doctrine. They're going to make it They gonna make it stick to the wall. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Matthew 16 and 28. But... Verily I say unto you, the generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Luke 21, 32 and 33. 
and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light romans 13 11 to 12. be ye also patient establish your hearts for the coming of the lord draweth nigh james 5 and 8. little children it is the last time as ye have heard the antichrist shall come even now are there many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time 1 john 2 18. for the end of all things is at hand be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer first peter 4 and 7. these words were written between 1800 and 1900 years ago and were meant to warn and prepare the first christians for the immediate end of the world some words are those supposedly straight out of the mouth of the Son of God. The world did not end 18 or 1900 years ago. All the generation passed away without any of the things foretold coming to pass. No amount of prayer brought it about, nor ever so much patience and belief in sober living. The world went on, as usual, indifferent to the spoutings of yet another batch of doomsday prophets with visions of messiahs dancing in their brains the world by surviving makes the above passages contradictions what is incredible about the bible is not its divine authorship it's that such a concoction of contradictory stuff could be believed by so many people and believed to be written by one omniscient god to do so, one would first have to not read the book. And we know many Christians don't read the Bible. They don't know nothing about it. They just know whatever they pass to say on Sunday. Um, so, yeah. These are some, not all, of the contradictions. And I just, you know, it's very, very interesting. And, I, and I've heard people talk about um, how... The Bible is really, when read in context, is really um, a collection of history, you know, that is not made to be taken as law. And I've talked about that here, too, um, in my biblical literalism series, you know, that it is this, this collection of history, this understanding, um, you know, the liturgical, you know, calendar, all these different things. And I thought it was you know, I think it's, it's it's a lot easier to begin to look at that text, the Judeo-Christian text, as something that is not literal. Because then that peace can start to come. That peace can start to set in. And you can read it for what it is and you can draw from it what you need. Encouragement. You know, and, and, and strength. You know, whatever little, you know, the idea of, 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 of the, the way that, that many of many, many black folks who were enslaved um, used that same text to, 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 to embrace their own jubilee, to have their own spiritual experiences. Um, and, and I believe that we can continue in that tradition today.
without being lost in the sauce of uh, crazy ass Christians. And, um, and so, you know, the Bible says they were first called Christians at Antioch. I don't use the term Christian to define myself. When people ask me what I am, when my eHarmony profile asked me what I was, I said Unitarian Universalism. <laughs> um, you know, because that's, you know, virtually what I am. Uh, but we out here. I wanted to have a little quick conversation with you. Once again, thank you so much for listening. This has been Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, no, you probably, you will have a problem with this shit. I love you for listening. Talk to you soon. What I tell people is the way you get to the next level of your life is keep going. Keep going. Keep running. Even when you don't even know, even if you get turns into chaos, you cannot be great if you cannot operate in chaos. That's my life. So long, farewell to you, my friend. Thank you so much for listening to Surviving Fundamentalism with Richie X. This is the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely gonna have a problem with this shit. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, things you want me to talk about, definitely hit me up on Instagram at instagram.com slash surviving fundamentalism or instagram.com slash Richie at it again. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tell a friend, tell your mama, tell your aunties, uh, tell some people that's just questioning, you know, get the people involved, run it up, run the numbers up, okay? And I will be back next week.